Welcome one and all to the greatest wrestling show on the planet as hosted by your wily veterans, Will Macklin and Braden Mayhew, as well as the next generation cohorts, The Beast from BC, Alec Miski, and the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. This is Wrestling with the Welcome, everybody, to the April 12, 2016 edition of Wrestling With Ideas. You're here to listen to the very latest that's happened in the world of pro wrestling. We're going to go over your raw review. It is Braden May, who joined alongside Mr. Alec Miske. Yes. Yes. No. No. <laughs> Ready for his usual Yoshitatsu impersonation of the week. Good way to kick things off, I imagine. You know what? Yoshitatsu is slowly becoming one of my heroes, just because you can do anything with him. You can do a whole interview as Yoshitatsu, and people will still get it. Yeah, they will. It's either two answers. It's either going to be a yes or a no. He should have been the innovator of the yes and no chance and not Daniel Bryan. There's yes. something controversial. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we had really an amazing edition of Raw last night. Just unbelievable. Who's booking these shows now all of a sudden? like We got two shows that are seem to be catered more to the hardcore audience. And maybe they're just deciding, oh, well, you got to change things up post WrestleMania. And boy, are they ever. And you know what? It's really paying off for them, especially considering. Well, I'm just going to touch on this right now because I felt it was really stupid that because of social media, Shane McMahon gets to be the like the general manager or whatever, the host of Raw again. And it's just, you know what? Why did he lose to Undertaker? Like, you're, you're literally just going to be, you're going to have a storyline, it's going to end, and then we're just going to take it a whole new direction, except it's going to be the direction it would have been if Shane won. The hilarious thing is, if you just watched the show and you tuned in halfway through and you've seen Shane making all the announcements and stuff, you would assume he would have won. If you didn't watch WrestleMania, you would have like, been, oh, he won. Or he beat Undertaker. Or how he did that. Like, yeah, or if you're like me and you just kind of fell asleep halfway through, like, WrestleMania and woke up again and be like, oh, hey, Shane lost? Because it's weird. So Undertaker may not be wrestling again after this. Like, he may be done. That's that's the word going around. And now Shane's controlling Raw. So despite Undertaker winning, everything that was going to happen if he lost seems to be happening anyway. I guess I just wanted him to end on a high note. But storyline-wise, it's it's BS. Just I'm, pure BS. I'm also hoping he comes back for one more. He's got to have a better match to bow out than that. You know what I mean? But So, yeah, Shane was in charge of Raw again. Uh, apparently, if you're a authority figure and people just love to post about you on Twitter, you get to keep your job. I know. It's the only thing they listen to on Twitter, because you can tell them how much you hate Roman on Twitter. They won't care about that. But if you say you love Shane being in charge, they're going to keep him running the show. Um, So he had a little exchange with Kevin Owens, which basically led to a number one contenders match. Well, yeah, because the whole reason was uh, Owens lost the IC title at Mania, and then Ryder faced off with The Miz, and Owens wants his title rematch. You know what I mean? But Shane, God bless him, decides that you you don't just get a title rematch. like You have to earn it. And that's why he faced off against Cesaro. And that match, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was kind of long and boring at first, but it had really, really good spots. And it started off with them more or less doing, um, that's the best way I can describe it. Well, you it ma- was, you remember Jericho's promo about the thousand and one arm bars or whatever? Yeah, he well, knows Owens how to do? has this whole thing where, like, he's the heel. Yeah. So he works over the guy with, like, a few holds, we'll say. He's, he goes for the chin lock. He, he's basically, think, like Randy Orton from, like, 2000. 
mid-2000s, except it's Kevin Owens, so he does a better job of it, but he does kind of rely on the holds throughout a good portion of the match. Like, the babyface will try and come back, and then he'll take them down. It's yeah. He's made it, He's been doing this for, like, four months now, at least. He's been doing it for most of his career, actually. Yeah. But, so. yeah, I just felt that it was really sloppy at the beginning, because uh, the bell rings, and Cesaro charges uh, Adam, and he just kind of goes and ducks behind the ropes a little bit so that Cesaro can't get him. And then immediately after they break it up, and they just grapple like normal, so it's kind of like, what are you guys doing? And there's just some awkward moments at the beginning. And it does pay off in the end, especially when um, Cesaro was throwing Owens into the corners and just like giving him European uppercuts and throwing him in the next corner and European uppercuts. And that went on. It, it was phenomenal. Especially oh, when yeah. he did the, um, goodness, I can't even remember what it is. I think it's like the springboard uppercut. Like he goes, he runs, jumps off the middle rope and turns around and spins oh, yeah, and uppercuts the, the big, him. the big Superman dive punch that he does. It's not really a Superman it, punch. It was but like what a he does spinning is, uppercut. Yeah, it's like though. a corkscrew. He like bounces off the middle rope and then he spins in the air and catches somebody in the face with a forearm. Basically, it's his version of the Shoryuken. Uh, but yeah, phenomenal spot. Like when that happened, I was like, I haven't seen that in months. Where have you been all my life? And it's like, all right, he was recovering from rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, great to have Cesaro back. It's matches like this that make you really just know how much of a, of a beast this guy is. And the whole time they were playing up the fact that he had a shoulder injury. Like, Owens kept working that injured shoulder. I think he even uh, worked the match with, like, it taped up, too. Yeah, he like, had, like... He uh, had black tape yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Weird looking, but black tape on <laughs> Very it. Very odd. I'm like, what's he got a machine on his shoulder there? Like, what's yeah. going on? Who here? knows? Who knows? But yeah, so Cesaro wins it. So Owens is just livid now. Like, just absolutely upset because he even later goes and talks with Shane and Shane just basically, like, throws him out of the building, you know, like, gets security to escort him away, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, so Cesaro wins, and the whole time Miz and Maurice are watching this, you know, they're in the back doing the TV, they're stealing Dean Ambrose's room. But yeah, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal. And then we get to this, um, the next p- part of the show, which I think is the greatest. The New Day is having a tag team tournament mm-hmm. to see who will be the number one contender to face them. And uh, the first round match was, uh, I believe, the Luchas against the Dudley Boys. Yeah, which... Uh, that poor poor Kalisto. I don't... <laughs> I haven't really looked into that, and I probably should have before the show, but was... Is Kalisto injured, or is that just, like, they just did that to get the, like, the Dudley Boys ahead? They just did that to get the Dudley Boys I, ahead. He's not hurt. I kind of figured as much. Because right from the get-go, before the match even starts, they pretty much throw Kalisto out of the ring. He lands hard and just lays on the ground outside. And then they have to, uh, more or less... I just remember Bubba yelling at the refs, like, who's the legal man? Get him back in the ring! Actually, I can give Bubba credit that when he yells, and he has a commanding presence, and he actually is very good on the mic. Fantastic. He's one of... I mean, growing up watching him, like when they let him like, go and he can, he's off the cuff. He's very good. Even as Bully Ray and TNA, he was phenomenal. I agree. He, he was literally an AJ Styles. <laughs> so Bubba, when he gets going, he's hilarious and is he really a great heel. So he's going off. They're doing this whole thing, and basically, can I say this is a, a glorified squash in a sense? They just kind of steamrolled over the I Dragons just, and over the United States Champion too. By the way, yeah. Like, well, no, they beat up Sin Cara, not Kalisto. Like, Kalisto's lying outside of the ring. They did. They just pummeled Sin Cara. Like, but just, what I mean is you're going to have the U.S. champion just lay and be beaten up and not help his partner, and he's just going to be destroyed the whole match. Do you think the U.S. champion should be used a little better than that, you would think? Oh, you know what? I absolutely agree, because when you look at everything that WWE is doing right now, the U.S. title has no purpose. It, there's no heat built for it. And this is two weeks after Mania. Like, the first week, it's, it's a reset. You know what I mean? Like, they you don't really have that. a storyline. But this week, it's like, we still have no... 
no development. So it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, maybe the Lucha Dragons are breaking up now because he was laid out and didn't help his partner out. But really, that doesn't even seem like much of a storyline because it just shows that the Dudley boys are a force of nature. So it's just really questionable. But yeah, so glorified squash. Dudley boys win. What I like Standard about match. this, yeah. What I like about this though, Alec, is it's a tournament, but there's enough tag teams to actually do a tournament now. It it kind of scares me because I went from there just being the Usos, the New Day, and uh, Lucha Dragons to now there's another five. You got the Dudley Boys, the Ascension, Enzo and Cass, Vaudevillians, and uh, Golden Truth. Yeah, I forget we got the uh, the new version of Booker T and Gold, except swap out Booker T for our truth and it's pretty well the same team. They're I mean, coming o- for you. I mean, obviously they're just fodder for I, I believe they're the Vaud villains opening round uh, matchup, I think, is who uh, Golden Truth is taking on. They're clearly going to lose. but uh. The way the card's set up, it's really, really interesting, I think, because um, you have the Vaud villains who are definitely definitely going to win uh, their for the first round at least and then going to go up against the Usos and that one you can never really call because the Usos are really a jobber in the tag team world but are they going to put them over or are they going to try to make put the belts back on them but yeah so the Dudley boys win and then I love Enzo and Cass like they, they are great they are so good especially because Enzo comes out and the way he cuts like that uh, promo it's just phenomenal just phenomenal like he's got like that Jersey Italian attitude which just carries so well and it just you know yeah he's got that Guido sound to his voice which is just it for his character is perfect and he has yeah. he's just he's naturally great on the mic oh like he works it like a champ and going with playing off of Bubba Ray you, those are two great people like great characters that can actually work this and build a storyline so regardless of what happens down the line for Enzo and Cass in the tournament you know that they're going to be having heat with the Dudley boys going into uh, payback yeah and it seems to be like if they don't win the tournament it seems that their first program is the Dudleys, so whatever their first like big pay per view match ends up being, which we can assume is payback, will be against them in some fashion. And just Bubba and Enzo on the mic, that's enough to kind of draw interest in your tag division. As I said, there's a good number of teams now, so you have the championship match, but you also have the two teams with great talkers building interest for their own match outside of the title picture. It's yeah. kind of cool because for a while, I find WWE always goes through these peaks where the tag division has a lot of talent in it and you're really invested in it, and then it just all of a sudden will die out with a bunch of teams breaking up. The last time it was this good was three years ago when the Shield were really kind of finding their way and they were holding the tag belts and Cody and Goldust were a tag team and the kind of the real Americans were on the rise and all this sort of stuff. Then it just kind of died out because all those teams split up. Now, all this time later, with all these teams coming up from NXT, you kind of have that same vibe again. And there's even more this time. No, it's absolutely true. And it's it's a great thing to behold. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a few more things. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And it's going to be a lot of fun because, you know what, there's, there's a lot to talk about in this episode, including Dr. Phil. Yes, he was actually a highlight, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Outside of all the matches in the ring, he was one of the best parts. We'll be back in a moment on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. And we're back. So, yeah, this is Wrestling With Ideas. Do you wrestle with ideas, Braden? I try to. Yeah, I know. That's, it's hard. It's so, so hard. At least if you're trying to come up with a clever brand new idea. You can always you can always wrestle with recycled ideas, but new mm-hmm. ideas, that's, the, that's <laughs> the tough part. That's the tricky part. So, we come back, and Roman Reigns, everyone's favorite wrestler ever, comes down to the ring to what's reported here as a mixed reaction. Was it a mixed reaction? Ah, he got booed. No, he got booed. He got (laughs) got booed hard. He got booed hard. And I was watching this live, and I just remember he says, he's not a good guy. 
He's not a bad guy. He's, He's the, the guy. Yeah. And he goes on to talk about how he both respects Styles and Zayn and all that stuff, but because, they never won um, the championship. Before going into the night, the match was announced that it was going to be AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn, and there was a stipulation being that if Zayn won, he'd be added to the championship match. I don't know if that's based off him getting taken out from the Fatal 4-Way the week I, before. I think it was like they were trying to give him another shot after yeah. Owens laid him out. So they basically, like, you know, if he won, it would be a triple threat. Yeah. And so as Reigns is delivering his wonderful monologue, the League of Nations comes out and interrupts him. And I don't even remember what Seamus said, to be completely honest, because all I remember, this comes out and it's like, oh, hey, he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's Seamus. That's pretty well what Seamus said. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's kind of true. That's how the rest of the audience views him. He's not good. He's not bad. He's just, oh, gosh, Seamus is on my TV. Yeah. So... They kind of go at it a little bit on the and mic. Then, and yeah, they kind of go back and forth. And a very interesting part leads here. I think uh, the rest of the league goes to jump Roman, and then the lights go out. Yeah. And the Wyatts are there, and they help Roman fight off the League of Nations, yeah, which that, is crazy. <laughs> I mean, I know that the Wyatts need something to do, and they definitely need some heat with a larger stable than just the tag team, but the League of Nations is not that. No. Like, it's they've. It's sad to say this, that the Wyatts just have no one to go against. No, and I mean, the Wyatts are clearly way bigger stars than the League of Nations are. So, like, if that's what the program is leading to, is, like, some sort of six-man tag, you know, like, the Wyatts are going to win, but they're not really going to benefit much from it. Like, it's, it's Seamus, Del Rio, and Rusev. And I know Rusev ha- actually had momentum a good, like, year ago, but that was still a year ago, all right? That was like, when he was riding a tank. You know, he's not the same uh, Bulgarian brute like he once was, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's kind of weird seeing Bray Wyatt as a babyface, though, if, that, if it is a full turn, which by the looks of this show and what they did uh, later on, because this ended up uh, leading to Shane McMahon coming out and he announced a big tag match for the main event, which was Roman Reigns teaming with Bray Wyatt against Del Rio and Sheamus. I, yeah. yeah, so it was like, ooh, is Bray a full-on babyface now? Can we expect that he's just going to be taking on heels from this point? What would you say uh, from this at least segment of the show? You know what? I honestly, honestly couldn't tell you what they're doing with Bray Wyatt because there was even an article released last week where Bray Wyatt himself said that WWE doesn't know what they're doing with them. And it's not the sense that they don't know what they're doing with them. It's like they just have nothing to position the Wyatts with. So making him go up against heels isn't really going to do anything for his character. It just gives him something to do in the meantime while they figure out who are we actually going to put the Wyatts against. Because when they had uh, someone like the Shield to go against, like the Shield was morally ambiguous as well. They were heels and faces, like, and they kind of flip back and forth depending who they're going against. Uh, but the Wyatts are always kind of that... They need to position them as an anti-hero. You know what I mean? Like I agree. Like that Austin role where they can kind of they not are they don't always want to side with the babyface, but they will do it if it needs to be done. But then they also do not like the demanding powerful heels because they represent power. So you try and attack that as yeah. well. I like kind of have no side. Like fight against the bad, but also fight against the good guys. They, they're basically for themselves in a sense. Is what you're saying is the position they need to be placed in? Yeah, basically. Like they need to be like The Rock, where he is. Um, Huge fan favorite, but in terms of the company, like he goes against the grain. He's not going to do what you tell them to do. He's going to like fight his matches his way. You know what I mean? And he's going to be like he wants to be a contender or a champion. Exactly. So just like Wyatt doesn't necessarily want to be a contender or a champion or like is in position that way. But clearly, he's talented enough 
and he can do it. I mean, like if they wanted to put the belt on him, he would definitely flourish. He's not he's not going to be a guy who's going to crack under the pressure, and the fans would actually enjoy him being put in that position. He's much much better than Reigns, like a thousand times better than Reigns in every facet of the wrestling business. But that's just me. You could put uh, sorry, you could put the title on Fandango, and it would be better than Reigns. Uh, yeah, you could say that with like the utmost confidence, right? Oh, utmost confidence. And then, so the next match after this is for Ooh, the, the women's, women's championship. Title. Now, earlier in the show, Dr. Phil was on, and he talked with Ric Flair and Charlotte about their relationship together and how it was toxic for Charlotte. And honestly, this was one of the best segments I've ever seen. Like, hands down. Like, like on this, pro wrestling television? On pro wrestling television. Like, this rivals Kane's uh, anger management with Daniel Bryan. Okay, so that's like, really up there, like, by the way. That's really up there. And it's like this because... More or less, Dr. Phil says that Charlotte is being held back by her father because he's cheating and doing all these like nefarious acts to keep Charlotte as the champion, and she's not winning it on her own when she's clearly strong enough and capable of doing it. So, you know, Charlotte freaks out, gets mad, and walks away. And, you know, Ric Flair, you know, like pads himself down like, you know, like a, an orangutan, like kind of pumping up his chest, getting ready to say something. And Dr. Phil just gets right up in his face and he goes, Woo! Woo! And it's just like, Dr. Phil out wooing the nature boy. Was just a sight to behold, like, I'm sure. Like, it was amazing. Amazing. So we get to the match, and it was, you know what? Really good. Really, really good. Back These and forth. These two have amazing chemistry. Yeah, they know they know how to work it. It is fantastic to watch them in the ring together. I forget which NXT show it was, but it was a while ago when uh, Charlotte was still the NXT Women's Champion. But they had like one of the early NXT pay-per-view matches when they first started doing specials on the network. I think it was the second takeover. I think it was too, yeah. And they had a, like a great match then. They killed it at Roadblock. And now here on this show, they have another very good match. I don't think they can have a bad match together, these two. Well, the ending to this match, I thought was just awful. Yeah, but the reason they're doing that is probably because they want to get a pay-per-view out of it. So you can't have the direct clean finish on like a Raw. So they yeah. took the, the, the scapegoat of the DQ. Basically, yeah, that's exactly it. So it ended with um, Natalia getting Charlotte in the sharpshooter, and Charlotte's tapping out at this point. But Flair comes and grabs the official and just pulls him out of the ring, causing the disqualification. So Natalia wins, but Charlotte retains. So, you know, Charlotte got booed because of this. And, like, that's really good for her heel character. Like, phenomenal. But Natalia, like, you just look at her and, like, she was so upset. Like, she sold that anger, like, just seething hatred in her eyes for, like, Ric Flair. And Dr. Phil, side by side with Byron Saxton, just, you know, giving his opinion on how he was disappointed in Charlotte that she didn't, like, you know, do the right thing. And I remember a lot of people on like specifically on our like wrestling group were saying like, oh, Dr. Phil, that's going to be awful. Immediately after that uh, segment and this match, they just completely healed, like turned, just loved it. It, Awesome. Like it was it was phenomenal. And uh, as I said, it's probably going to lead to another match between these two ladies at uh, Payback, in which case we'll probably get a legitimate finish to yep. it and uh, I look forward to that because I really don't think they can have a bad match it seems no. impossible they just have great natural chemistry I really really don't think they could have a bad match and this brings us to the second match mm-hmm. from the tag tournament which one with w- even bigger news coming out of it as well oh my this was you know I don't think anyone really saw it coming because like there's so much going on in the show that's actually well done that's like you're just like it, those little nuggets are hidden hidden exactly. away exactly so so we got the Usos versus Curtis Axel and Heath Slater everyone's favorite so I love Heath Slater I don't know about you yeah Heath's great 
I like how his uh, like wrestling attire, the pants, like it looks like he's got like this giant belt buckle at the top, and it's just like it's on, like it's an Art Deco or whatever you want to call it. But it looks like he has this big belt buckle. I'm like, oh, there's he making his own champion belt. <laughs> but yeah, no. And for what it was, this match was great. Uh, I mean, you're not really going to see too too much between the social outcasts and the Usos. They're going to save all their big spots for later matches. Yeah, but, um, it's uh, a top tag team against a tag team that's arguably at the bottom of the division. So it was what it was. Yep. Yeah. What was there a flying Uso, Michael? There probably was two flying Usos there, Alec, <laughs> on this year's show. <laughs> but, but I think the the biggest story is what happened after the match. Yeah. So the Usos get the win after. Uh, I guess Jimmy rolled up Slater and they got the pin. After the match, after all the rumors, everything you've heard, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson end up coming through the crowd and they beat up the Usos after the match. And it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to do a couple of like spots and then we'll cut to commercials. Like They laid them out. They beat them up. And it is like, I'm kind of wondering, where are they going with the, the Gallows and Anderson story? Like, where do you think, like, how, what do you see happening on SmackDown between those characters? I could see them maybe attacking another tag team after the uh, their tournament match, and they kind of keep doing this until they demand that they need to be put in this tournament as well, that they are the best tag team to come into the WWE. They may have just started, but they were the best in Japan, and they're definitely the best here because they have no other competition. And they maybe will try and find their way towards the tag titles at some point. I mean, if um, say even if they're not involved in the tournament at all, whoever does win against the New Day are probably going to lose anyway at the pay-per-view. So I would imagine that they, if they're not the next contenders to the New Day, they're New Day's next program after they get done with whoever wins this tournament. See, the way I see it going is like, this tournament's going to run its course, and there's mm-hmm. going to be who, whomever wins, but uh, Gallows and Anderson are, are going to crash that match, and it's going to become a triple threat. Or... You know, maybe, maybe four-way, like a fatal four-way tag team match at payback. Like, I mean, that's that's a huge spectacle. Might have a stipulation where it's still the triple threat with ladders, you know. But I just honestly see them getting into that main event for the tag team titles almost right away. A fatal four-way tag match would actually be a really good idea. It gets a lot of people on the card, a lot of talented people on the show. And more than one tag team competing for a title in a big-time match just goes to show how much the division is kind of killing it at the moment. Absolutely. Like, it's it's a much stronger division than their mid-card. Oh, like, yeah. Well, because the mid-card's not defined. The yeah. mid-card is like you're an upper mid-carder like Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho are, or you're a bottom-tier mid-carder like Zack Ryder, Heath Slater. There's no difference. Like, all of them compete for, like, the same two belts. All of them are kind of mixed around. Like, you can tell which ones are more important than the others, but there's no, like, defined difference between mid-carders. Like, at least the tag team, when you're a tag team, you're a tag team, and you're kind of a complete separate entity from those who aren't in a tag team. It's like just being in a tag team makes you different. Because yep. when you're a mid-carder, there's really no difference in your, your card position. It's like mid-card, and then there's the main event guys. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. Especially since um, the IC division is going to be very interesting to pay attention to in the coming weeks. Because Miz is the champion. I don't see him retaining the belt that much longer, but I do see a good storyline coming out of it, especially with uh, Maurice back. And then you also have Cesaro, who I guarantee is getting that belt. Oh, he's going to steamroll Miz like he, and get it back, obviously. Like, they are not, like, they position him as an unstoppable force against Owens earlier in the night. And it's not that, like, Owens isn't, like, a bad, like, wrestler who doesn't have enough heat going for him. It's like, they're, ba- I think that what they're trying to do with the Owens character is 
kind of humble him a little bit, I guess, per se. Like, he's just getting beaten and beaten and beaten right now. You know what I mean? Like, he went through having a great build-up to and, KO Mania. Yeah, and think about this, Alec, too, is they're going to keep beating him and beating him, and then eventually, we know that when it comes to their program and their first match at a pay-per-view, Sami Zayn's probably going to beat him, too. Yep. If they had their match at payback, he's finally going to get that big win over Owens, which is going to set him over the edge that he lost to, in storyline, the biggest nemesis in his entire career, and that's going to propel their feud forward. So there's got to be some sort of reasoning there, I would say, from an, uh, a storyline perspective. Oh, absolutely. Their feud is phenomenal. Went and through many different promotions before WWE. I'm they pretty sure that. that they wrestled in PWG, and um, I don't know if they wrestled in the uh, New Japan and ROH crossover series that they've had uh, coming up in May. But yeah, I know that they've definitely faced off at least twice in their career. And phenomenal matches between the two of them. Yeah, like multiple times in PWG, multiple times in Ring of Honor, and now what looks to be multiple times in WWE. Yeah, at least three promotions, and it's it's very cool that they probably all the way back to when they were first starting thought, could you imagine if we were doing this stuff on WWE television? And now, all these years later, here they are. Well, it's phenomenal that they've had. I've said that word so many times this review. Um, it's amazing that they. Like, if you looked at the way that WWE programmed their shows six years ago, uh, it like these big stars come in, the big stars always go over, the little guys get table scraps. You know what I mean? And now it's almost being booked like an indie show where the little guys are getting big spots. And they're not like, you know, they still lose the match, but they're getting big spots. Like, they're doing things. And you, it's really, really refreshing to see instead of just seeing, oh, there's Randy Orton, he wins. Oh, there's Sheamus, he wins for some reason. Like, you know, it's just, that's it. But yeah, we're going to take a quick, 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 that's three quicks, commercial break. We're going to be coming back, talk to you about the AJ Styles and Sami Zayn match, which was phenomenal. Absolutely killer. Yeah. And get to your main event. So stay tuned to CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. You're listening to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. This is Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back inside Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I am Zach McGibbon. Alongside me on the line is Mark AP. He is the creator and booker of C4 Wrestling. We've had him on before, and we had a ton of requests to have him come back on, and we figured, well, it's WrestleMania time, and a lot of things are going on, so it's the perfect time to bring him back on. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much for the invite, and thanks for the kind words about my last appearance. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of great uh, a lot of great feedback from the interview. A lot of people really liked uh, your thoughts um, going into the Rumble, and it's we're very interested to hear your thoughts on WrestleMania. But before we do that, uh, you yeah, want sure. just you want to just talk about uh, C4 Wrestling uh, quickly and just what the promotion is all about. Uh, C4 is. Uh, Ottawa-based independent professional wrestling promotion. Uh, we've been around for seven. Uh, sorry, going on nine years. Uh, we started in 2007. Um, we we are uh, a lot of people, not us, but a lot of fans have called us a PWG Canada. Uh, in the terms of, we have a crazy alcohol-fueled crowd. We have a really high work rate show. We have a lot of international faces from the states, and then there's guys from here who are breaking out down there. And uh, so yeah, C4. In a nutshell, if you're local, it's a good time. Yeah, if and you're I- not, if you're not local, check us out. We're on SmartMark Video, SmartMarkVideo.com smvod.com 
where it's a good show. Yeah, it definitely I, is. I think you can attest to that. Oh, yeah, definitely is. Uh, I've been to a couple of shows this year, finally got the chance to go, and let me tell you, if you're in the Ottawa area, you got to check out C4 Wrestling uh, when it comes out uh, with their shows. The uh, newest one is uh, C4 uh, The Hellbenders. I'm super excited about that. Who's going to be on the card specifically for this show? Uh, it's a loaded show. Uh, main event is announced as C4 champion Mathieu Saint-Jacques uh, defending against Tyson Dukes, who is probably one of the best Canadian workers out there. Uh, we've also another high-profile match we're excited to announce is Frankie the Mobster, who's an incredibly charismatic, one-of-a-kind performer, uh, taking on another one just like him, Joey, uh, Joey Ryan. Um, and it's just it's a loaded show all around. C4Wrestling.com for details. Facebook.com slash C4Ottawa. Twitter and Instagram, C4 Wrestling. Yeah, sounds awesome. And uh, a lo- again, loaded show. Super excited for that to come out. And uh, let's go right into WrestleMania 32. Um, how-, how much of the show were you able to watch, Mark? I sat through the, the whole seven hours. Oh, wow. So you went through the whole seven-hour grind <laughs> like everybody else. And uh, what was your overall impression of the show uh, once you finished the seven hours? It was long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I... <laughs> It had the spectacle of mania. It, it, I, I, I didn't think it was overall a very good show. I'm sure people were entertained by it, but it just didn't have any lasting, lasting impact on as me on me as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would, what I, the analogy I've used is, and this is my, my criticism rolled into one with it, is. Using summer blockbuster movies as a, as, as a comparison, uh, Marvel Studios films are make tons of money. They're big tent poles and they're big big blockbuster style movies, but they also put a ton of emphasis in laying the groundwork for future films, and a lot of thought is put into the storytelling and where things are going to weave. On the other hand, uh, you have movies like Michael Bay's Transformers, which are a lot of explosions. But at the end of the day, they're pretty shallow and empty. And I think for me, I was hoping for something more like a Marvel film than Transformers. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about Mania. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I totally agree with you on that. And I like that comparison uh, between the Marvel franchise and Michael Bay's movies. Um, pre-show matches were were pretty standard stuff um but the one thing that really stood out to me was Kalisto's not really getting that spotlight that a lot of people thought he would be getting especially with the way that Cena's built that uh, u.s title up uh what why do you think Kalisto is just being pegged down so much i mean i think it's overall the company as a whole has a hard time staying committed to any any one vision and idea um a year ago, they had very high hopes for both secondary titles. Daniel Bryan and Cena. A year later, coming out of Mania, Callisto and Zack Ryder. I think that should tell you about their long-term planning and vision. It's true. It really is true. And, uh, of course, we saw Callisto become essentially just another guy on Superstars, which is mind-boggling to me because he is the U.S. champion. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 just, it's just insane to me that at one point people thought he was a breakout star after that amazing TLC match he had, and then all of a sudden he's being delegated to Superstars matches with Tyler Breeze, who's another guy that a lot of people want to see move up. Um, but Exactly. I'm surprised. I in, Months ago, I thought that the, the 
Callisto's role in Mania, what they should have done, rewarding based on that TLC show, was doing, bringing back a TLC show, a match to Mania and doing something a four, a four way with the Lucha Dragons, uh, New Day, um, Usos, and Dudleys. Like, that would make a whole lot more sense than the way they seem to have gone. And they still could have gone that direction with uh, Usos and Dudleys and just inter- uh, inject two other teams. Mm-hmm. And really build up that feud uh, moving forward. That could have been something. Uh, and give them a platform again to really make some memorable moments. That's true. They said no one's going to remember Kalisto versus Ryback in front of 15,000 people in a 100,000 seat building. <laughs> That's true. Um, but we'll we'll move on to the main show. Uh, sure. We, we had we had the ladder match. We saw what I think a lot of people were surprised about the result. Zack Ryder actually was able to come out on top and win the IC title. Uh, what were your thoughts on that booking decision to have Ryder win the title? I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I I I, I think it would have been Cameron, uh, better to keep on Owens or Zayn. But I also understand that rivalry doesn't doesn't necessarily call for it. But in the 48 hours removed since Mania, it's already flipped away, or it's already flipped once, and it's just gone back to being that undercard undercard belt. I liked. I thought it was it was a cool, rewarding moment for Ryder, out of absolutely nowhere. But it was a cool moment for him because, I mean, up until Neville broke his ankle, he wasn't on Mania. So it's nice to see that, but. It also just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, the build-up to it, they didn't really build up Ryder that much. Do you think it would have had a bigger impact if he was built up uh, more as that underdog? With all of Mania, I'm giving them... A lot of a lot of credit and leniency due to the fact that nothing was what they wanted six months ago, a year ago. So, and I think they again, Ryder wasn't in there until probably Neville Neville lost his spot with breaking his ankle. So they didn't really have an opportunity to build that up, right? So it is what it is. Yeah. Exactly, and uh, uh, moving on from that, uh, we go on to uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, New Day versus League of Nations. We'll talk about Jericho and Styles just a little bit later, um, but I, I want to get this out of the way. Um, the stuff afterwards with the legends interfere, uh, interfering at the end after uh, the League of Nations were able to beat the New Day, um, a lot of people have criticized it, saying it didn't put over anybody. It was just kind of a spectacle thing. Uh, what were your thoughts on you know Austin, HBK, and Foley getting involved uh, at the end of that match? I mean, I, I, I largely agree with those criticisms. Uh, for one thing, I don't know why that would be the spot those guys would be used for. Hmm. Another thing, just the booking as a whole for that match just made no sense because New Day is one of your hottest babyface acts. Mania is the biggest platform of the year. Uh, a lot of eyeballs who aren't on your product for 12 months of the year are watching that night. And A, they lose to these guys who they've lost to every show instead of giving them a win and making them in the eyes of the fans. And then B, you have these guys come out and, and leave. I had no problem with the idea of them laying out League of Nations, sure, whatever. But then to do it to, to New Day as well, it just made no sense. Mm-hmm. It just makes them all look like schmucks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and again, that's just kind of the idea that I got out of that segment, and uh, and it really doesn't make sense in the end as well to have League of Nations go over, especially when the next night 
they they decide to disband one of their group members, Wade Barrett. Well, I also think that's I think that's a theme of the whole event. 24 hours later, just like the product itself, week to week, nothing matters. Mm -hmm. Nothing set up the night before had any impact the next night. No. Nothing. None of it. Nothing matters. It's really kind of just agitated a whole bunch of fans because they want to see this stuff matter, but in the end, the WWE doesn't treat it like it matters. You're just told repeatedly as a fan that your your support and your your day-to-day it, 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 as long as they have you in there for mania, that once a year a huge uh, a huge crowd they get, your your support doesn't really mean anything to them. They're still making the numbers they want to make in terms of the the network and live events to a degree. They could be much better, but they they're happy with what they have apparently, mm-hmm. and it just drives home the, the fact that nothing matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll move on from that. We'll go back to uh, what was actually the match beforehand, uh, AJ Styles versus Chris Jericho. Again, a lot of people thought it was a great match, probably not one of their better matches. But the finish, again, really pondered people um, with Chris Jericho going over. Uh, Do you think that was the right decision for Jericho to go over in that match? Again, look 24 hours later and see where they're going. Mm -hmm. Did it make any sense to have Jericho go over? Not really at all. No. Unless he was being set up for the Reigns Challenger, in my opinion, anyways, I think I, I really enjoyed their match. I thought they had a really competitive, good one. They were given a solid chunk of time. I don't know the exact amount, but they had a good, decent amount of time. But at the end of the day, it was just a bizarre head-scratching finish, which which goes for a lot of things on that show. Yeah. And and going after this, I mean, as you mentioned, Styles was the one that got the win. And a lot of people bring it back to that 50-50 booking uh, that's been really plaguing WWE, especially in that mid-card area, for a while now. Um, And it's it's not even the mid-card. He's being pushed in the main event next month. Yeah, that's the thing. So here's the thing. Again, if you're a casual viewer just tuning in for this one night a year, I'm sure you had a good time. But if you're watching week to week, <laughs> You're being told all these guys you support, these newer guys or whatever, they don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's the presentation of it all. Um, exactly. And uh, so we'll go on to what I thought was a very underwhelming match was uh, Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose, the street fight. Um, biggest biggest uh, criticisms of that was that it was way too short, especially for a street fight, and there wasn't enough uh, spots in the match to really justify it just justify having the match. What were your thoughts on the Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose match as a whole? I don't. Ha- I mean, I-, I wish it was longer, but in the time they had, I thought the story was fine. I I thought Ambrose put in a good performance. I don't think he was squashed like a lot of people seem to be complaining. He he's. He- the, the the way they're pushing Brock, I fully support him not losing. I think that needs. I think it would have been cool for Ambrose to get that win, but as long as they portrayed Ambrose as someone who went the distance, which is very questionable if they did, but he went toe to toe with him. He did knock Brock down. He got him with the nut shot, and then he beat him down for a while. Um, but with Brock, I like the fact he hasn't lost cleanly. I mean, the Undertaker loss is questionable. But he hasn't lost in two and a half years. And that's cool they've stayed committed to something like that. Mm-hmm. At, at least um, there's something dedicated I, I, to I hate the idea that it might be Reigns to be the one who finally beats him, because I don't think that's the right guy who who's gonna, should get that. 
but it is what it is. And as for Mania, I thought they had a solid match. I was wishing for more, but it was fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, going off of that, you said you know you don't think Reigns should be the guy to beat Lesnar. Who is the guy in your mind that should be the one that beats Lesnar's uh, undefeated streak per se? I don't know. I, 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 the, the way they're presenting everybody, I, I can't see unless there's some kind of a call up in the next year or two for Balor, or someone who heats up down there, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I just uh, I think it should be something as special for one Brock B. Taker. Yeah, I, I agree with with you on that, and uh, and and I think that's why a lot of people go back to maybe Dean could win this because it gives. Them I agree, momentum. but I also think his character, as much as I I, I wouldn't I, I I would be against this argument for all the other losses he's taken, such as Bray Wyatt, etc. I think to Ambrose he went the quote unquote he went the distance with him. Mm-hmm. And it was just a silly mistake, and it took a, it took an F five on a pile of chairs to take him out. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Okay, um, we go after this to uh, the triple threat match for the women's championship. And before we go into this, what do you think about the decision on WWE's part to bring back that women's title? Oh, it's it's great. I think that it shows. I think NXT was doing it for the last few years with focusing on the women, not the quote unquote divas, which has always been a derogatory term. And it allows for it to be looked at in a better light, the division. Um, and it just shows that they're progressing with, with some things. Um, just going with society as a whole, it just shouldn't be a separation and they should be treated as equals. Mm-hmm. And, in their division. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Charlotte was able to retain, and a lot of people uh, were going into this match thinking that Sasha Banks was being built up to win this one. Uh, do you think it was the right decision for WWE to have Charlotte retain, uh, well, technically become the new uh, women's champion at the end of this match? Again, it was a bizarre, uh, just like everything else, it was a bizarre finish. There would have been no better platform and moments, if you're talking about making moments, than having Sasha there with her, her, her celebrity cousin, Snoop Dogg, with her Eddie Guerrero-inspired gear, winning, which was, in my opinion, the match of the night on that show. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, 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 under, I am sure they'll revisit it. I'm sure she'll get the title down the line. But in front of, again, if you're, if you're just watching, if you're tuning in, okay, fine, Ric Flair's daughter beats some other girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, If you're following... The product, it made it made more sense for Sasha to get that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I agree with you on that one as well. And uh, but again, I agree with you as well. It's the that was to me the best match on the show. Uh, everything just unquestionably. It, it was it was it was fantastic stuff. And Sasha killed herself in my opinion during this match just all three did all three did awesome yeah they were all fantastic um next match was the hell in a cell match uh undertaker defeated shane mcmahon and of course we go back to that 24-hour thing where we saw shane mcmahon essentially run raw the next night so that big cell spot from the top was to many felt like it was meant nothing in the end he didn't need to do it um but before we even go into that what were your overall thoughts on the match because i've seen a whole bunch of different opinions on it some really liked it some thought it was really boring what were your thoughts on this hell and cell match i think i think it was too long i think that okay i did not like sting versus triple h last year but that kind of a match should have been what this was it should have been overbooked. 
It should have had a bunch of different uh, smoke and mirrors. It should not have been Shane McMahon grappling move for move with The Undertaker. Like, that just doesn't make sense. The, the match, it, with the buildup it had, it, it should have had more moments in it. And, yes, everyone will talk about Shane falling onto the crash pad table. But, and that visual is great. But it just, it, the whole match, to get to that, to get to that one spot, which could have been a 15-minute match, took 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, again, it's, it's going back to that 24-hour thing. Do you think that with that Shane dive from the top of the cell, with him controlling Raw the next night, do you think it diminishes the value of that spot? I don't know about the spot because people, like I said, people are going to tune into that one night and more eyeballs are on that product that one night than most nights of the year because you have these people watching with all their friends who will just watch for that one night mm-hmm. as opposed to Raw, which has uh, five million a week and probably a lot of people just by themselves watching it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the spot will be remembered, but I think that it was silly. Just the, the result was silly and the fact it was just disregarded. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we move on into the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Um, this was actually, to me, one of the brighter spots of the show as well. Uh, Baron Corbin was able to get the win. Um, what do you think the long-term plans are for Baron Corbin uh, heading out of WrestleMania? I, I don't think there are long-term plans other than they moved him onto the roster and thought they'd give him a, a big win there. Um, he is one of two people who came out looking better, or arguably one of the only people who came out looking better from Mania than anyone else. Um, but I, I thought I, I'm glad they did it. I was I was watching it and saw him in there and saw him in there towards the end. And in my head, I'm like, I hope he wins, but they'll probably just put it on Kane or something. So I was happy. I was happy to see. I'm not a huge Baron Corbin fan, but what he does in NXT is, is a great dick character. Like, he's a great heel. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him. Um, I'm hoping it's not just him versus Roman Reigns or something, but <laughs> it's the kind of match that you know they, they'd like to do. Mm-hmm. I, and you know what? I could totally see them doing Reigns versus Baron Corbin at some point at the end of 2016 when you mentioned that. Um, but again, I thought this was one of the brighter spots on this show. Um, so afterwards, we had a segment which has been subject to a lot of criticism. Uh, the Rocks uh, segment, uh, when he came out, he had a flamethrower and all that. And uh, he essentially beat Eric Rowan in a in a match in six seconds and then uh, sorry and then rather Cena came out and helped The Rock fend off the Wyatt family do, do you, a lot of people found this segment to be completely unnecessary some just say it's an entertainment thing uh, what are your thoughts on this segment as a whole I, I mean it was bizarre the cheerleader, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, followed by a flamethrower, followed by giant ROCK letters set on fire, followed by him just cutting a promo, and then the cool, the cool moment was the Whites coming out. I don't know why they couldn't have had the Whites maybe lay into the Rock and then have Cena show up. That way, you're not having them lose. You're not having. I know they want to set the indoor tennis record right with the shortest match in Mania history, so I get that. But it, it just, for guys like the Wyatts who have been floundering literally for two and a half years, it doesn't do them any good. Yeah. 
and I, I'm I'm fine with the Rockets seeing it beating them up, but at least let them get maybe a brief upper hand. Like, why couldn't the three of them beat up the Rock before Cena ran out? Yeah. And, and it really would have put over the Wyatt family as well uh, in the end because they, they show their dominant faction um, at the end of it. And then, you of course, you've got Cena coming in and clearing house, and it could have made for a nice little moment uh, to fill in the show. But a lot of people have also criticized this for being too long, and it took away time from uh, Everything matches. was too long. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, I, like, it was all just too long. But it, some of the time a lot of people thought could have just gone right back into uh, you know the matches that a lot of people felt were short like Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose or maybe even just a little bit more time for Styles and Jericho um, but but again as you mentioned it was a very 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 long show so again I guess it's not really too bad in the end um, this is the match that's got a lot of people talking and for all for the wrong reasons um, Roman Reigns uh, defeating Triple H for the title belt um, this match overall I, I think you can agree with me was pretty boring there wasn't too much it's a, tr- it's a Triple H Mania main event yeah he has not had an entertaining one uh, at least I mean his Cena match from 22 and Batista 21, I'd give him those. But 2025, 25 specifically, is what I fear for. And that's what we got, which was just a a match that should have been really intense, a hot brawl. But no, just a slow 25-minute match that people were sitting there for seven hours. They know what finish they're going to get. But at least give them more than that. Mm-hmm. Because it was very predictable at the end, especially with all the aftermath of it. And to me, I don't think Triple H did a very good job of getting Reigns over as that babyface character. In fact, oh, well, that's, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't think anyone in their right mind would, would disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on just overall on Triple H during this match? Do you think he could have done more, or do you think he just did as much as he could to try and get Reigns over? I don't know. Two years ago, in my opinion, he has one of the best Mania matches of of the modern era with Daniel Bryan. But that also could be because he was Daniel Bryan, and they were really motivated. They worked off each other well, and and Reigns is what Reigns is, and that's the kind of match they had. But I still think that should have been like a plunder-filled brawl. It would have it would have woken that crowd up, or I mean, maybe they would have unmuted the crowd. Yeah, I mean, we we heard the sliders go down uh, for for that Reigns segment. Do you think that should just be a sign right there that they should not be pushing Reigns as the top babyface? They've had signs for two years. <laughs> That's true. They've kept going. They're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think the, the the raw direction is a better one for him, and. That's what I think a lot of people have wanted is just don't push this guy to be seen at 2.0. Uh-huh. And going into Mania, that's been the problem. There's no reason to support this guy. <laughs> he lost the title fairly in the Rumble. He didn't get screwed. He had an hour break in that match or whatever it was. And then he, he, he slowly limps to the ring, and then he lost the match. Uh-huh. He, if if 100,000 people are booing your, your top guy, maybe you should be questioning what you've done with him and if he should be the top guy. Uh-huh. Absolutely. They say they listen to their audience. Well, they weren't. They haven't been. <laughs> Look at the ending of 30, uh, of 30, Mania 30. I still think that's, in my opinion, that's the second best Mania of all time. Uh, as a whole, but I'll get into that after, but 
the way the crowd was celebrating. They were happy. Mm-hmm. And last year, they were shocked. This year, it was just they knew it was good. They, they sat through seven hours to get the ending they knew was coming, and nobody wanted. <laughs> exactly. They didn't try and mix it up at all. They, they just stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Especially on a show where we saw a whole bunch of weird different finishes, and then they decided to just go with the status quo with the main event. Mm-hmm. It's just mind-boggling to me. And perhaps the mindset was keep him unhappy all night and then have a big face win at the end, although he's not really a face, but that could be the mindset. But still, seven hours to get to an ending that nobody wants. I, I, okay, there's some people out there who wanted it, and Reigns does have his supporters, but it's the vocal majority who don't like him, not the minority. It's the majority of fans who do not like this guy. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Or they're just not into his current presentation. Mm-hmm. If they tweak that, I... I I know myself and others out there who, who think if they tweak this guy, he could be a much more interesting character. Mm-hmm. And and is there is there potential for Reigns to be a top babyface, or do you think at this point bringing him heel is the best way to go? I don't know. He's gonna be. He's in that spot now. We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see if they. If they are going tweener with him, which would probably be good for him for a while, if not full on heel. But I don't see the way he's currently portrayed, again, largely as a John Cena type. Uh, everything rolls off his back. Mm-hmm. I don't see him being what they want him to be. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, they have guys on their roster who are that and who are white hot. Someone like Ambrose, as much as they try and not focus on him, people love him. And it's not like they didn't have an out for it. They had Roadblock. They could have put it on Ambrose. <laughs> they could have, or inserted Ambrose in that main event. And at least you would have had the crowd invested in that match. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, again, that was Mania. Um, we'll talk uh, very briefly about the Raw after we kind of just went through it, through our Mania, but just some uh, quick things I uh, want to get through, and then we'll end it off here. Um, what were your thoughts on the debuts of some of the news, newer stars? First, uh, Apollo Crews. Uh, do you think it was this, a good idea to bring Apollo Crews up uh, at this point, uh, especially with the time he's been in with NXT? It's unexpected that he, he came up when he did. I guess being in the the dark match on on a takeover might have been a sign, but I know he's on the tapings through the next set. I I think Cruz is a very talented guy, and if if handled right, he could be a big star. But again, anyone who's it's all it comes to the handling of them, right? It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Hopefully, he doesn't just end up as Tyler Breeze. <laughs> yeah. I hope not either. It, it, yeah. it could be really, it could be really bad for his career if he turns into Tyler Breeze. Um, and his time, his time in NXT has been pretty short compared to a lot of guys. Yeah, a lot of comparisons have been made to him and Owens. Uh, why do you think? What What do you think makes uh, Cruz different uh, from when Owens debuted uh, for Raw? Uh, obviously, well, other than the open challenge. Well, I mean, Cruz doesn't have the cachet of what Kevin Owens had coming in there, but also Owens came in and beat Cena. Cruz beat Tyler Breeze. That's all he, like, (laughs) he was brought in and he beat a low level, uh, in in their eyes, uh, a low card, undercard dude. (laughs) And he just, he beat him. Yeah. That's, that's that. Yeah. 
And uh, and another debut we saw last night was uh, Enzo and Cass. Uh, finally, we got to see their main roster debuts and got a huge pop, got a huge ovation. Uh, how, <laughs> how bright do you think their futures will be in WWE? I mean, I they are too, they, in my opinion, they can't miss. <laughs> But they've they succeeded on missing on a lot of NXT guys, right? <laughs> I, I think that's great. They've held off on bringing them up. That was a perfect crowd to bring them up in front of, and they looked amazing. <laughs> they had that entire that, that was a bright crowd, and they were super into everything. And they were presented as stars. Although I don't understand why Michael Cole, Cole was, was downplaying them on commentary, yeah, and saying they required taste. <laughs> Let the guys get over, <laughs> and. Uh, to the fan at home, I'm sure they came across the stars. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, one final thing before we uh, let you off. Um, we saw a whole bunch of new feuds. They essentially hit the reset button on uh, on all the storylines. Uh, we're going to see Styles versus Roman Reigns at uh, Payback now, actually. And uh, we're going to see Miz and, and Zack Ryder, um, a whole bunch of different storylines, Charlotte versus Natalia. Out of those storylines, uh, what are you most excited for heading into Payback? I think Reigns versus AJ would be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think there's a lot of places they could go from there, but I don't want to get too fantasy booking with that. But I feel there's a lot of places they could go for that. I don't see them putting the title on AJ anytime soon anyways. But I think it's a great match for Reigns. And his, in my opinion, Reigns' best match ever was with Daniel Bryan from um, Fastlane last year. Mm-hmm. I expect a similar type of match that'll that'll push reins and be at a very good match, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I'm hoping for. And I think a lot of people are hoping for as well. Um, so again, thanks, Mark, for uh, taking the time uh, to do an interview with us. Again, uh, where can no we problem. find where can we find uh, C4 Wrestling? Uh, where where can we find C4 Wrestling? C4Wrestling.com, uh, Facebook.com slash C4Ottawa, uh, Twitter and Instagram at C4Wrestling, and uh, live at the Vanier Columbus Club, 260 MacArthur Avenue, next Friday, April 15th, um, for a loaded show. C4 presents the Hellbenders. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, Mark. Um, no problem. For all your raw reviews, wrestling interviews, and opinions, this is Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back to Wrestling With Ideas. You're listening to Braden and Alec reviewing Raw. Again, uh, we can mention that Gibby kind of out of action. He took the chair shot this week. He's suffering a concussion. Yeah, he took the chair shot, which left him looking like chair-faced Chippendale, and he thinks he's on the moon. But uh, he... Doing all right. I'm sure he'll be back next week. It's quick recovery that John Cena likes speedy recovery. He's known for. So I expect he'll be a part of the Raw review next week. I think uh, if, if you're familiar with the uh, the Dragon Ball Z, he's had a senzu bean. Yes, that is very appropriate. Uh, yes, comparison. No. <laughs> so speaking of things that are phenomenal, since uh, it's Alex's favorite word today, AJ Styles and Sami Zayn had their contenders match, where the stipulation being if Zayn won, AJ's match with Roman would turn into a triple threat for the title. These two just went out and had a complete cracker of a match, just a complete showing of what pro wrestling is. Oh no! It. I like, could not our, even oh. tell you how. Gr- Sami Zayn has just gone to a whole other level, like a whole other level. His match against Nakamura on uh, Takeover it was amazing. Just yeah, hands down, like it was my favorite match that I've seen in the last three weeks. And then this match last night, 
I don't even like Sami Zayn's a force. Like just oh yeah. Like you look at him in the ring, he's all over the place. Nothing like he can do anything he wants, and it kind of scares me that he's going to hurt himself. Like, um, and it's kind of scary, but near the end of this match, Sammy ends up doing this big backflip spot, and he kind of missed landing on his feet, so he put his hands in the way, but when you first look at it, it almost looked like he landed directly on the top of his head. Now, he got his hands down, yeah. and he was able to follow it up with the dropkick spot afterward, but it's stuff like that that probably makes you like fear for the guy when he's going for all this crazy stuff, right? Like, I think it was just like the, the exception to the rule where he's done everything right except that. So it's just like, you know, it's nice that he didn't injure himself, but that was a very scary spot in the entire match. But the whole match, just back and forth, high energy. Yeah, Zayn do his, does his big uh, diving senton where he leaps over the top rope and does what? the somersault in midair and then lands on the opponent on the outside. Always great. It's, the best part about that is, like, you know you know what's coming? Because he looks over at them, looks at the crowd, looks over at them, runs the opposite direction, bounces off the ropes and jumps, and it just... it. It's, there's so much tension built up. Because, like, you know, he's going over and he's landing right on them, and they're probably going to hurt each other. But it's just, ah, oh, it's so great. I love the high-flying stuff like that and when they throw themselves out of the ring. Two quick, athletic dudes just showing off their stuff against one another in front of, like, the perfect crowd. And the people loved this match. They were going nuts for everything these guys did. And it was awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And how does the match end? But uh, a phenomenal forearm. I wonder if that's going to be like his main finisher now, is like that springboard forearm. I don't know. Cause Cause like, he does do the Styles Clash a lot, but it's just... It's just odd against Zayn. Like, Zayn, you think, would be a small enough guy that he could take the Styles Clash, like, no problem. I can understand ending a match against, like, Mark Henry or somebody big with uh, the forearm, or, like, somebody he maybe can't lift up like that, but Zayn seemed kind of odd to finish the match with a, a forearm like that. Because you think Zayn would just take a Styles Clash no problem if Jericho could the week before. But... Uh, Maybe they, maybe they didn't want him getting hurt because of Sammy's shoulder. I'm not entirely sure why uh, the match ended that way. Because every once in a while, it's just his finisher. He'll <laughs> just end the match with uh, what seems to be like a signature move. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's it's AJ Styles. He, he's going to do what AJ Styles does best. Yeah, and uh, that's apparently going to be challenging for WWE's main championship just a few months after signing. You know you're a big money guy when they're putting you in a title match right off of WrestleMania season. Oh, you know, absolutely. Not only that, like, he's, what, 37, 38 now, I think? I think he's 38, yeah. Yeah, so it's like he's near, like, he's really close to the end of his career. So you know that he's not going to be there much longer, and they really need to get as much, not so much, they need to get their money worth out of him in terms of merchandise sales, and they're going to have to push him really, really hard. And they know that since they paid big money for him to sign, it's like, well, we got to treat him like a big money star, so we got to put him in title matches and important things and and all that. And yeah, it's Styles' tail end of his career, and it's cool that he's kind of decided to end it in the WWE, and we'll... I, I could see them doing good stuff with him. Like, I mean, they're not paying him all that money just to kind of squander AJ Styles. No way. No, no. They, they really need to push him hard. And then, so, we come back to... You know what? I thought this was an okay bit between Jericho and Ambrose. I mean, it was literally only done to kind of have a reason to start a feud between the two of them. It's like, well, we didn't get quite get to do it at WrestleMania. We're definitely doing it for payback. How about we host a highlight reel and Dean is Jericho's guest and he insults him on his own show and yep. that's what leads to their big feud. Yeah, it, yeah, let's let's do it. It was like basically Piper's Pit. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Like, bare bones. But, uh, you know, it's like not, nothing really too big to talk about this segment except that uh, Jericho's scarf was worth $700. Is that what he said? That's what he said. 
How dare he pay $700 for a flimsy little scarf? I know, right? That's insulting. I did love how Ambrose put on a clip-on tie. I thought that was hilarious because it just like it just goes to show it's like oh yeah I dress this way every day oh, clip on tie. Dean is great. D- Dean's phenomenal. The guy. There's nothing else to say other than that. The guy's amazing. So now we're gonna have the most important match of the night, hands down, biggest biggest main event you'll ever see: Apollo Cruz versus Adam Rose. Apollo Cruz won, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. He won. And Bo Dallas was at the you know side of the ring. Did he do a victory lap though? I honestly don't know. Probably Bo. didn't. I feel bad for Bo. I mean, like, wh- why does Bo do nothing since coming up from NXT? Like, he had a great character in NXT. He was basically John Cena that didn't realize he was John Cena. Actually, I find, like, a New Day for a while were kind of like what Bo Dallas was in NXT, yep. where they were, like, uh, thought they were great, but the, the fans hated them for thinking that sort of deal, and they kind of did it well. And then, yeah, Bo just never really found any sort of, like, ground for walking on the main roster. He just sort of debuted and fell to the backside, and that was it. Yeah, that, that, that's basically it. Like, and he, I don't think he's ever going to get out of that rut because he was the face of NXT. And during that time, he was a really good NXT champion. Like, he did a lot of great matches. But now coming to Raw, he does nothing yeah, it's, it's just very strange. Whereas his brother seems to do a whole lot of something and then gets a whole lot of nothing in exchange afterwards. And by that, I mean Bray Wyatt. Yep. Because now we head to our main event, which is Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns against Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio. And it's just so weird seeing Bray Wyatt work a match as a babyface. And not to say he was doing anything different. But for him to be teaming with Roman Reigns, a person he feuded with for a good portion of the last year, and they're just on a tag team together, was just strange. Yeah, I don't me. know. How do you bridge the like the gap between those two characters to make that team? It's like, oh, well, we've got an Irishman and a Mexican attacking us. Tag team! But no, it's just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it was really dumb. Uh, I think it's just a cheap way to try to get Reigns over with the fans, even though that won't work. Like, it took Triple H beating the living snot out of him for Reigns to get over, and that lasted three days. You know what I mean? Once Raw was over, people were just like, well, and we don't like Reigns again. Well, I would say they liked him for a good, like, three weeks after that. What really destroyed Reigns after that Triple H beating was just the entire handling of the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. That's what completely set off everything they did in the month before that. They ruined it with one pay-per-view. But But this this match, uh, standard match. If it was a standard tag team match, but I mean, it's interesting like to see Wyatt go into the whole crab walk pose thing, the spider walk, and have like fans like cheer for that, and just seeing him work as a baby is kind of interesting. I mean, it'll be. Uh, I just want to see where it goes. To be honest, like I mean, if it's something for the Wyatts, at least it's something. As a fan, I like to see them used on television. Oh yeah, regularly. You don't want to see them being a Sando. Yeah, they wouldn't want to be off TV forever and then just never appear again. Because, I mean, for if your big thing at WrestleMania is just you get to be, like, The Rock's punching boy, you hope they have something better for you after that show is done. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, hands down, they need something. But, you know, it's just... And an interesting thing here, Bray got the pin for the team. Yeah, I mean, Bray gets the pin. But one of the best parts about it was the lights go out halfway through the match. Well, near the end, more or less. And it just you just see it come up, and there's just, um, <clears throat> sorry, Braun Strowman and Eric Rowan just taking out Rusev. 
like just slamming him around. And it's great to watch Strowman take on Rusev because they're two big guys. You know what I mean? Like even though two big wrestlers usually don't put on the best match, you still want to see them face yeah, each it's other. Yeah, it's like all those, those two are heavy hitters. They'll really club each other. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching Kane versus Big Show. You yeah, it's I mean? like there's in some- their prime, in their prime, not now. You don't, you don't ever want to watch that. You don't ever but- want to watch it now. But in their prime, you're like, yeah, even though they're not the best workers, it'll probably, it'll be uh, a spectacle to see those two tall, big behemoths go like, at it. Like, do you remember that choke slam before Mania where he can't even lift up Big Show and Big Show's like has to walk over the rope just a little bit and boom down. Oh my gosh, oh, just awful, just awful. But yeah, so like you said, Wyatt gets the pin. Roman and Bray win. That rhymed. And yeah, that's that was raw. That was raw. And I mean, if next week is going to be this good, keep them coming. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I got to say that the best part about the show was Dr. Phil. And I love how when I seen that Dr. Phil was going to be a guest star for Raw the week before, I kind of cringed inside of it. I'm like, oh, here's another celebrity. But then they actually used the celebrity right. Yeah. <laughs> and they got it perfect. I mean, how could I expect them to actually pull something off like that when they usually do the exact opposite? Overexpose said celebrity and makes the show entirely a dampered product. But then they use him for one segment in the perfect way, and they use him against Ric Flair, of all people. Oh, I know. Oh, wow. That's like, it awesome. Was, it was just ridiculous. I don't even know really what to say on it. But, um, oh, you know, one thing we forgot to talk about, what? there was a good little vignette with uh, the Miz and Maurice where basically Miz is just sitting there with like cucumber slices on his eyes and he's relaxing and all that stuff. And he's getting interviewed by, um, gosh, I can't even remember her name right now, but she, he's getting interviewed and Maurice, Jojo, Jojo, thank you. And Maurice is just like trash talking her, saying like how like she's just bad at interviewing and Miz like tries to deliver a line really, really well. And he like, you know, just can't do it the first time. So he does another take, can't do it, does it a third time. And at that point, you know, that's when Cesaro walks in because number one contender for the title now. And he just goes, and the worst and best pun at the same time, he just goes, that was miserable. And is, you know, we were talking on the Facebook group page about it, and I was making a bad pun, and then that comes out, and I'm just like, oh my god, I can write for WWE. Yeah. My god, Michael. And then maybe Cesaro will read your material, because he's got to be the master of bad puns in terms of delivering them on television. <laughs> exactly. But that was your Raw review for last night's episode. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, a really great edition of Raw. I mean, even better than the Postmania edition, which I thought was a very good show all in all, too. So if every week's just going to improve and we're going to get a better show week after week, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. But by the time we get to Payback, that'll be a real pay-per-view to watch as opposed to Mania, which was I just I would already argue it kind of is with the, at least the matches they're setting up. That looks like that card's going to be pretty fine. Yep. In terms of what we could get in Chicago. Usually the Chicago pay-per-views are really good. WWE tries to put on a great show in front of that specific crowd. They love Chicago, and they love putting on great shows for them. So I have a... I have faith that that's going to be a good one. Same with me. Same with me. So we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to come back with your full news and, as Gibby says, rumors. Rumors. Stay tuned to CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. I think it's new music. Newer. Newish. Newest. <laughs> Stay tuned. And we're back. So, yeah, news coming up for WWE. Well, now that uh, Styles defeated Zayn, that main event at Payback's more or less locked up as Styles versus Reigns. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured it was after Styles won the number one contender's fatal four-way from the week before. But now it's actually confirmed that it will be taking place at Payback. And 
As I said, Styles getting a big-time main event championship match on a WWE pay-per-view. That's cool to see. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then it seems like Cesaro is going to be taking on Miz for the IC at uh, Payback, mm-hmm. which leaves two very, very big stars without anything to do. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Well, that means that they're going to be going one-on-one, I would imagine, to f- help fill up the card. But you know what? Like, the fact that they've just been beating... Well, the fact that Kevin Owens has been beating up Sami Zayn outside of the ring for the past few weeks, and Sami Zayn's been beating Owens inside the ring, I mean, this is... Uh, that's going to be a great, great feud to watch. And it's just match number one on a feud that's probably going to be off and on throughout their entire WWE tenure. They're always probably going to go back to one another. It's going to be like that whole... Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero sort of thing, or um, Triple H, Shawn Michaels sort of deal, where every once in a while they'll probably rekindle that feud. Oh, absolutely. Now, there's the huge, huge tag team bracket sponsored by Bootios. It's over 9,000. Um, so the Usos get past the Social Outcasts, and the Dudley Boys are past the Lucha Dragons, but we still got Golden Truth versus Vaudevillians and the Ascension taking on Enzo and Cass. So Enzo and Cass, I would imagine, are probably going to just wipe the floor with the Ascension. Probably going to beat them rather easily. I oh, can yeah. see that. Hands down. I mean, and they, even they've the been schooling them more or less on yeah. NXT as well for like the past couple of years. So the Vaudevillains as well are probably just going to beat Golden Truth since they're a new team, and they're um, when you're new team you get pushed for a while at least your first like two months yeah i can't i don't know i can't speak for the vaudevillains how they're going to be doing in june or july but for now they're probably going to be pushed since they're new to the roster they got they have to get over let's face it gold dust and r-truth aren't going anywhere and they can still have tag team matches if they lose yes so, so, yes no anyways so, so, so who do you think's actually gonna win this whole bracket if I had to take a guess, uh, it's kind of hard to say, but I could see like the vaude villains winning only because um, maybe they, they make it to the final with Enzo and Cass, and the Dudleys actually cost Enzo and Cass from winning the whole tournament, so that's how you get like the Dudleys and Enzo and Cass to have their match at the pay-per-view, whereas you get a challenging team for uh, the New Day for the same pay-per-view. That's what I'm going to guess with. I mean, I can't really say for sure, because if Gallows and Anderson end up getting involved in this thing, then wouldn't they take it if they end up, like, say the Usos are too injured to keep going and they need a new team to fill in? I can see those guys winning, too. If that's how they decide to take it, I can't uh, guess that that they are. But uh, that should be New Day's next opponents. No, it really, really should be. And that's just, that's, you know what? There's really... It's really hard to tell. I honestly couldn't tell you what's going to happen. I hope that, um, I hope that, jeez, oh I guess the Vaudevillians, I'm guessing they're going to be the ones that win the tournament and they're going to probably drop it at the end to uh, New Day because Enzo and Cass are likely to face Dudley Boys in the second bracket because they go up against the Ascension and the Ascension's going down. So, you know, whoever wins between that one is likely to win, but if the Dudleys go over, they're going to uh, obviously push Vaudevillians or they're going to have Enzo and Cass versus them and Enzo and Cass is going to lose and feud with the Dudleys because they, they're building that feud already. Yeah, so that's kind of what I see going on that Enzo and Cass will get past the Dudleys, they'll take on the Vaudevillains in the final, and then the Dudleys will screw Enzo and Cass out of uh, a tag title opportunity and that kind of progresses that feud forward. And yeah, so just some of the rumored matches on the payback card. Obviously, Reigns versus Styles for the championship. Uh, they're saying that Baron Corbin might be taking on Dolph Ziggler or Kane. Um, Charlotte's going to be facing off against someone. My guess is Natalia after last yeah, night. That feud is clearly going to continue. Going to have Ambrose versus Jericho. 
And some people are speculating Gallows and Anderson versus the Usos. Hmm. Now, I don't see it myself, but that's just because they beat up the Usos last night. So They need to be doing something more important than just taking on the team that they beat up to make an impression with. I would have them go for the titles, but hey, I'm not booking the show. I know, right? It's, so. it's one of those things where you just don't know. You just don't know. But yeah, that's uh, that's basically all the news and rumors for this edition of Wrestling with Ideas. Stay tuned. Up next, we got a very special interview. Zach McGibbon sat down with Mark AP from C4 Wrestling, and you know we've talked with Mark before, and he is a great mind on wrestling. It has a different point of view because as a booker, so really, really informative. Knows know. the ins and outs of the business, and he yeah he works for the local scene. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So stay tuned. It's coming up next on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Welcome back to Wrestling With Ideas. You're listening to Braden Mayhew and Alec Miski on this fine Tuesday night. And we have an amazing announcement for all of you. Isn't that right, Alec? I mean, this is like a dream come true for us. At least for me. I don't know about you. Oh, no. It's right up there for me, too, man. So... I don't know if you guys have heard, but on Friday, May 6th, Wrestling With Ideas will be doing a very special live broadcast of Great North Wrestling's wonderful, amazing event. And, you know, I could not be more happier. We get to call the action from uh, Devin, or Hannibal's uh, promotion, where he's actually going to be defending his heavyweight championship. He's a big star over in, uh, in Great North Wrestling. They have a big main event of Demolition who are going to be making their uh, big Canadian wrestling uh, appearance for the show. They were former WWF Tag Team Champions. Yes, I'm saying F because at the time they were champions, yep. it was still the World Wrestling Federation. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's really exciting. Gibby will have your play-by-play, if that's the best way to call it. And we will have Will Macklin as color commentary. Yes, the Will Macklin. Yeah. I mean, uh, he should be recovered from all those concussions that he's had by then. I mean, clearly he's going to be commentating for the show, so he'll be there. I will hope to maybe be doing some, uh, say, backstage interviews and stuff like that. We haven't quite uh, made out uh, just about who's going to be doing what, other than the commentators. The commentators are 100% set for this event. Gibby's going to most certainly be your play-by-play guy. He's going to call the action as he sees it. This will be a live broadcast. We will be announcing everything that happens from this show. Every call, every move will be broadcasted via CKDJ 107.9 come May 6th. No, yeah, it, it's, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. It's huge, huge news. Let us know what you guys think. If you're going to be there, great. Um, after the show, we're going to have a like an after show where you can call in, tell us what you thought of the matches, tell us who, like you know what was good, what was bad, everything. It'll be great, and you know it, it's it's something to look forward to. It's a to. big thing for this show's future because if we could get this done for this event, think of the other Ottawa promotions that come through here for wrestling. We may be able to cover more wrestling events for the city in the future if things pan out and it goes well. Yeah, and you know what? Seeing Hannibal, uh, Hannibal sorry, in the studio when he cut that promo, that was scary. I do not want to know what he's like in the ring. I'm sure he's even more of a beast. I know. He, you know I mean, he scares the beast from BC. I'm going to go hide in my little cave. Great North Wrestling, folks. Great North Wrestling. Definitely check it out. May 6th at uh, the Ogilvy. Oh, goodness. That's, what, where is it at? That's, where, where the heck is it? I should know this. This is one of those things that I need to like actually look up again because I'm awesome. Yeah, it'll be at the Earl Armstrong Arena. It starts off at 8 o'clock on May 6th. It's a Friday. Check it out. Support your local wrestling scene. And for all of us here at Wrestling With Ideas, to all you at home, have a good one.
Have a good one, ladies and gents. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Keep updated with everything going on with Wrestling With Ideas by following us on Twitter or leaving a like on the Wrestling With Ideas Facebook page. Listen to archived episodes of the show on Podbean and the Podbean app. Or take a listen on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Player FM. We will be back next week to wrestle with ideas.